With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Clear the Cash, everybody. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged you. And with me, of course, I mean, the brains behind the operation, Jesse Bach. You can find him on Twitter at planet underscore fatness. I don't think enough people are following Jesse yet. So take a moment, pause the episode. If you're driving, pull over to the side of the road, open up your Twitter app, give Jesse a follow. Let's get his follower count way, way up there. He's way too good to be wherever he's at. I haven't looked in weeks, but it's probably still too low. Jesse, thank you for coming back. We've got a great episode today. We've already run through the topics. Some of them are absolutely hysterical and incredibly rare finds, so people should be pumped for this episode. Agreed. Um, Before we start getting into uh, anything basically on the show sheet, um, my follower count on the... I think on Twitter and on Instagram, they're both in the 400s, and I, I kind of mentioned a couple times to you guys that if any of them uh, hit the 1,000 mark, if either hit the 1,000 mark, I will, I'm looking to give away a hobby box. Nice. To, I, I, I'm, I'm still not sure if, I'll, if I want to do like a break of 30 random people if, on either Twitter or Instagram or just ship the box to one person. So hopefully this will help the the follower account either on Twitter go. or on Instagram. Um, Instagram, I'm at flippity flip cards and Twitter, as Nate mentioned, I'm at planet underscore fatness. And also just a couple of other housekeeping things. I just wanted to give a shout out to um, at former legends on Instagram at four M E R L E G E N D S um, him and so his name's Rob. Um, him and his three buddies have basically created like a like a beer glass company, um, and they're really into sports cards. And th- this co- this company's kind of been you know off the ground for for a little while at least. And they basically put f- very famous and iconic sports card designs on beer glasses. And these gla- these glasses look sick. Like they they sent one to to me and Nate just out of their out of the kindness of their hearts and um i'm honestly a customer of theirs for now and it's probably something that i'll be actually looking to drink out of when i'm ripping my next hobby box or just opening a mail day so honestly you guys should absolutely check them out check my uh my twitter page my feed has it i'm gonna retweet it again as we're doing this episode uh, I got this nice little photo box and, you know, so I could take pictures of cards. If you guys are interested on figuring out what that box was, hit me up. I'll give you guys links. Some people have already done that. Very cool. But I put the beer glass in it. Uh, we got, we got, I got a Bo Jackson one. I don't know which one you ended up getting, but it says Bo knows beer. I put their card next to it. it. They're really rad and they do very cool stuff. So again, appreciate that from them. Uh, always cool to get gifts from, from patrons or listeners. So 
It's always appreciated. All right, Jesse, enough of the hugging and kissing and we're supposed to social distance. So let's talk about cards. This is why people are here. Um, if you're interested in a card, if I'm interested in a card, if a listener is interested in a card, but they're not sure if it's worth buying, but even at what they might think is a good price, what should they do? Is there any option for them? Is there something you do? Is there somebody you lean on uh, that has helped you through the tough decision of should I, shouldn't I, eh, will it be gone if I don't? So I've run into this exact scenario this past week, and it was involving a Christian McCaffrey, a 2017 select rookie die cut gold PSA 10 numbered out of 10 card. And I've kind of, I, I really liked the look of the card and just the fact like whether it's die cut or not, it doesn't really matter too much to me. Just the fact that it was gold numbered out of 10 and it was a, it was a gem from PSA. So, um, but I saw this card was was um, listed much more cheap than other McCaffrey die cuts and even other McCaffrey gold uh, numbered out of 10 PSA 10s. So sometimes what I do is if, you know, maybe, maybe there's a chance that um, I don't realize how in demand a card like this is or isn't like i don't know if just people that have been in the hobby for a while just don't find this card particularly appealing to them so you know beauty is kind of in the eye of the, of the beholder but i'm assuming like you guys are kind of like me where you're you're kind of hunting through ebay all day or a lot a lot of parts of the day um whenever you can and um, you're kind of just too dug into the hobby and what people like and what people might not like. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll go to somebody who is not in the hobby and who doesn't really collect sports cards, but appreciates sports to see if they themselves think that this card looks cool. Just to see if like, because this kind of tells me that if someone who is newly entering the hobby, if, if, if they were to collect a card, they might they might actually be looking at a card like this. So um, it, it was earlier this week. I asked I, I showed my girlfriend the card and I'm like, this, listen, like I, I think this card looks sick. But like you can either tell me, does this look sick? Does this look weird? Or do you not care? Like, do you like just any of the three? And she's like, oh, well, like, you know, there's only 10 of them that exist. And this is a PSA 10 and it's gold. Like, why not? Like, this looks actually pretty sick. So. I love her to death. Um, I she you know she helped kind of she she helped get me to pull the trigger on the card, um, and it it's just it's really awesome to kind of get the opinion of somebody who's not in the thick of things all the time just to see that you know if something actually might be worth a buy. Like I thought I thought the price was good to begin with of the of you know, whatever the amount that the seller offered me the card for. But just to see if it was even worth buying, it might not be a bad idea to approach somebody you trust who is not in the hobby. Well, you know, and part of it is the visuals of something, right? There are so many cards out there of so many different types. And sometimes one card just doesn't visually appeal to the next person, even if it is, you know, more rare than the next. So, I mean, for that, for that point, you know, like if you think about it, your girlfriend, she just might also have the eye for it. You know, and she knows these players. She's obviously been with you a while. She understands that you have this 
wild fascination with purchasing and searching. And <laughs> you, you said searches eBay all day. So most people are on eBay, but you're on eBay all day. I mean, you are the the guy that's constantly but on before it. before and after work. That's that's uh, it's I'm not. I would lie. I would be lying if I said that it's not a lot of what I'm doing, just kind of grinding eBay. And usually I, I find I find stuff that a lot of people who are actively collecting those players, like they don't even care about the investment side. Uh, like I find stuff that they don't find. Like it's it just because of, of how often I'm I'm on I'm on eBay. But um yeah, I mean if if you if you want to find something cool for a good deal, you just you kind of just have to grind the platform um you know whether whether you like it or not but um i i promise you if you do you're gonna find some cool stuff on there i wish i had that nocturnal ebay purchasing ability the last thing i do jesse before i go to bed is i search psa 10 or bgs 95 or bgs 10 in the sports card category and i just hit i hit search and i hit ending soonest and i find stuff that's like within minutes is ending 10 minutes is ending and sometimes you find things in there surprisingly. Like, first off, why is this ending at you know eleven thirty at night Pacific Standard Time? Like, what are you? You're not you're not going to get the best sale out of it if you're dropping the ending time like in the middle of the night. But nonetheless, I found some stuff floating in perpetuity at that point in the day. So it's probably a great suggestion to reach out to somebody that you trust, uh, you know, especially somebody that knows about sports as well. So here's a question for you, because we were talking about cards, talking about this McCaffrey. We were looking at a die-cut card this weekend, and I kind of asked you, what is the story with die-cut cards? Uh, are they something that that are sought after? Do people look at them and go, eh, it doesn't look like the typical rectangle. It's not for me. In your experience, what have you found is the case with these? In my opinion, um, I was for the most part indifferent about die cuts until fairly recently, but I'm seeing a lot of nineties, like big nineties cards and parallels and inserts that were die cuts that actually go for more than the regular version of the card because the grade basically with a die cut, it's so much tougher for that card to gem or even getting or even get a PSA nine than the average card, just because of the edges and corners and how many edges and corners there are to the card. So it's it's super condition sensitive. So if you can find a card like that in in a good grade, it's it honestly makes the that grade and that card that much more impressive. So I've kind of I've I've taken a whole new appreciation to older die cuts to even um to even more modern die cuts from like the 20 like the 2017 class that i've been searching for like mccaffrey and Kamara and whoever and saquon i i i completely forgot I, I had a saquon select auto gold die cut um that i i got for even cheaper than the mccaffrey and the, and the mccaffrey didn't even have an auto so um yeah, I think I think die cuts are kind of getting slept on a little bit. Some people just don't like the look of them, but I think from from a grading perspective, it's pretty impressive to see one graded as a PSA 10. Now, those are unique cards. But correct me if I'm wrong, we saw this Luca Logo man sell for 4.6 million and that was the most valuable sports card of all time ever sold at 4.6. It got graded though. It ended up receiving a BGS 9 grade. 
Jesse, did that matter at all? Did that affect the card? Should the person who now owns the card be like, damn it, I overpaid? Or in this case, does it not matter whatsoever? So in the short term, all right, so the guy paid what, like 4.6 million or something for the card, and it was raw. Um, he graded a BGS 9 in the short term. Honestly, the card probably went down in price that it, since they got a 9. But for for the long term, it's a one of one. It's a logo man. It's a Luca rookie. Like logo man, RPA or not, it's a Luca rookie. Um, and only one exists. There, So there are cards that exist that if you grade them, like they're so scarce, they're so rare, the grade doesn't even matter. Like it can get a PSA 8 or a 7 and like, but there's only one of them. This is like a logo man RPA is like the the grail card in in basketball and really in any any sport so if you like if it could have gotten like a bgs7 and it would still be worth probably would still be worth over a million dollars so there are certain cards out there that they're just so tough to get your hands on and i mean as long as it's not like a three or a two or something like as long as it's in somewhat decent shape um, it's more important to look at the card rather than the grade. Like it, it buy buy the card and not the grade for especially for more rare cards. Yeah, and I asked you this off air. It seemed to me a a political move, even that they they decided to get it slabbed by BGS and not PSA. And we're gonna get into a topic later, and this is gonna probably be. Uh, you know, the thesis or, or a big subject of what we talk about over the next couple months, this PSA versus BGS, what's the reality of the actual grade if you're identifying it on the card versus what are they actually being priced at or valued at? You know, PSA, it looks like premium 10 would have been the option that this buyer would have had to have gone with if you wanted it expedited. That's a one day. It's the only option they have for cards that are valued uh, in excess of $250,000. It's $10,000 a card. But my question to you is, one, why do you think they went with BGS over PSA? And number two, if you were the grader, do you have the stones to give the highest, most expensive sold card in the history of the universe a BGS 9 instead of just giving it a 9.5 or a 10? I mean, I realize that this guy is probably clocks in every day, Clocks out for break, clocks out for lunch, never wastes a minute of the company's time, follows all the rules. He's a perfect egg. But Jesse, I'm just asking. <laughs> this guy gave it a BGS 9. When we know that the Gretzky card that was given a BGS 10, PSA literally said, look, we have a complete variance to what a 10 is. It doesn't have to be flawless. So why? what was the thought process going through this grader's head when he goes, eh, I'm going to give it a nine. I have no proof of this. Come um, on. Come I, on. <laughs> I would, I would like to think that the greater graded it honestly, just like as if it was any other card. Um, I haven't seen the subgrade, so I don't know how close it might be really close to a gem. Um, but all right, so the fact that it was graded with BGS, I mean, it's still, I, I still think BGS has a bright future. Um, I think 
that if anything, people are, uh, we've already talked about people are going to look to more alternative grading companies. And I think people are going to start looking at BGS first before, um, before like HGA or, or CSG or whatever. Um, so, I mean, it, it definitely, it, it's, it speaks a lot to the, it, to the buyer and their trust in BGS of grading the card and having their card in a BGS slab. So that, that speaks positively on, on BGS for sure. But in terms of the grade, um, I, again, I want to say that the grader graded it honestly, but it could be a liability thing. So there is a chance that if they gave the card a BGS 10 or a BGS 95, and I mean, theoretically in the short term, it would, it, it could drastically appreciate the value of the card. Um, and God forbid anything happened when shipping the card back to that individual. And if something went wrong or if, if something happened to the case or the card it, itself, they might, because of the insurance, BGS might be out of a lot of money. So there is a chance that for that reason, for super, for super high end cards, they might grade them a little more harshly now. And it's, it's not just BGS PSA is under the same stress as well. So if they get, if they get a logo man RPA, they're, they're probably going to be a little bit tougher too on it, just from a liability perspective in case if anything goes wrong or if the card gets damaged or something. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's a bit of a conspiracy theory, but, um, I, I, I want to say that the grader just graded it honestly as, as possible. So what you're saying is for all of you listening, if you have the discretionary income to buy a $4.6 million card, which I'm sure big part of this listening audience has, <laughs> you're going to make a deal, make it privately, make it official, then send it in for grading. Then when it comes back, you can distribute it to the new owner. That way they don't go ahead and, and fearfully make it a nine. Now, Jesse, if it was me, I would have given it a 10. That's me. I would have given it a 10 or at least a nine five. No questions asked because that way I could add more value to what it is we believe the nine five is. It would have been more of a political statement if they would have made it a BGS nine five because then it could open up all the doors of the conversation but they made it a nine and you're right. It probably did come down a little bit. I mean, that, that makes sense. It's not a 10. If it was a PSA 10, it'd be very interesting. What would have happened with it as well. I don't think it was a money thing, uh, you know, being the, the causation of why it ended up with BGS versus PSA. Uh, I'm sure somebody got on the horn right away after the deal and was like, listen, man, you know, we'll grade this card for free. You know, I, I would imagine like I, there's to me, for whatever reason, if BGS is really trying to climb in there, I could see a scenario where they're like, look, bring it to us. Let us put our name on it. This is going to be one of the most iconic cards in history. Let's put it in a BGS slab. So I guess we'll find out what happens from there, Jesse. But that wasn't the craziest thing. That's a great subject, but it's not one of the crazier things we've seen this week. Um, I was skimming through social media when I came across a post uh, by uh, a Twitter user. Twitter is when I, that's where I float around the most. And I'm going to read what this tweet said. Uh, maybe I'll tweet it out from my account or something like that. But the guy goes, crazy story. This oversized Ricky Williams arrived today, but I don't remember buying it and it isn't in my eBay history. However, I collect these and I totally would have bought it. Then I solved the case. See the second picture. Jesse, 
from what you can conclude, the information given, what took place here? So this person, this individual, must have either ripped from a panini box or bought a redemption card online at some point and submitted the redemption card to Panini's website after he got it in hand. And they were, so he says this is almost five years too late. So, so in the five first picture, years. five years. So in the first picture, there is a, an over, what looks like an oversized Ricky Williams, um, Texas uniform auto. Um, it, I mean, it's a cool looking card. It's, it, it could be a one of one for all I know. I don't know. But, um, the shipping label in the second picture shows that it was supposed to be shipped from Panini's headquarters on March 29th, 2016. And he got it. He got it in hand. We're recording this as of March 20th, 2021. Um, he got it in hand almost five years to the day. Wow. From, I, I, all right. So like, if you guys, you guys have to have a, exercise a little bit of patience when you're buying Panini redemption cards online, or if you rip one out of a out of a pack or a box. Because I have heard stories where people for, people even forgot that they, you know, redeemed the codes from the redemption cards on on Panini's website. Like they don't even remember it just because of how long it's been. So I've heard of cases where Panini hasn't gotten back to them from like six months to a year, maybe a little over a year, but five years, that's just, that's like embarrassing. Like, like you said before the show, you're like, oh my God, like they must've just hired like a new stock boy and he just like put this package up a little bit too high and where, nobody could find it for five years. Where does it go? It's like, he like went, he's like, I got to use the bathroom and he set it up on the hot water heater and it like got bumped and it fell behind it for five years. And then one day somebody dug this up. Like, how how does a package for f- five years ago finally show up? And it's hilarious that you point out it is almost to the day. Panini's like nailed it, <laughs> nailed it. Wow. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Like, I just don't even send it out at that point, dude. You just save yourself the embarrassment. People are gonna shit on you as a company more for you sending it now than not sending it at all. It was probably the same guy that graded that card of BGS nine. He found the package. He's like, we (laughs) must send this. We have to send this. And he got on horseback and rode across the country and hand delivered it to the man. This is, uh, this is one of the more unbelievable things I've ever heard. I just thought it was hilarious that five years later, this guy is receiving a card. I'm going to get a response from, I will get to the bottom of this on Twitter. I've retweeted it said, we're going to talk about it on the show. So people will be aware of the most absurd thing maybe to ever happen in uh, sports card delivery history. God, that is wildly embarrassing. That's like one of the most wildly embarrassing stories I've ever heard in the hobby. Oh, it's, it's good. So uh, it's, I can't even fucking <laughs> And the fact is, it's a Ricky Williams too, which is so perfect. I mean, it is so era dependent. Like that, I, I didn't even mention that. So like when you redeem a, a redemption card on, on Panini or any website or any, um, any card uh, company really. So there, there, there's a reason it's a redemption is because the card isn't ready yet, or they haven't gotten the card back from the athlete that was supposed to sign it or whatever, or sign the stickers and they haven't gotten back the stickers yet that, so they can place on the card. So 
there there is a there is a decent chance i mean i i told you this pre-show but there's like you know probably 90 percent of this blame is on is on panini but you know the remaining 10 percent might be on ricky williams if he's held this in in his house for for three years straight while he's been token up nonstop. are you telling me that this might not be a stockroom accident what you're telling me is this actually could be the fault of ricky williams himself Imagine if you had to buy a card from Singapore or something or some random country in the world. And in order for it to get into your hands, they this seller needed to ship it to 10 different people before sending it to you. So the next person just ships it to the next. This is it's kind of the same thing here. Um, so it, it's a multi-step process to get these cards even back into into Panini's headquarters. And to, you know, like if it's a sticker auto, like physically, they need to get it in the hands of a person who can accurately put this sticker in the spot where it's supposed to be on the card. So this is like a multi-step process, but there's a there's a possibility that Ricky Williams just legit had this card in his house for three years and just never sent it back. I love the idea that Ricky Williams is just high High as ever, just trudging through the Amazon, hacking down bushes, and he's just got these sticker autos that are in his pocket, and he's been carrying them <laughs> for half, half a decade, and finally gets them back to Panini so they can send this poor individual their card. Oh, my God. Jesse, okay. you and I talk about this all the time over text. We're, we're constantly looking at these Beckett cards. Again, this is a subject that's going to come up more and more in the future. When we look at BGS 9.5s and even to some extent BGS 10s, they still seem overpriced, right? I mean, we, we this seems to be like a like a running subject on this show. Why are BGS 9.5s and even 10s so much less expensive than a PSA 10? And so in general, why is Beckett trailing PSA? So um, Beckett's gem mint grade is a 9.5, whereas for the like the other major companies like PSA and SGC their their gem mint grade is a 10. So, I think number one naturally for both collectors uh, some collectors don't care but for most collectors and investors they want the 10. They don't really care about the 9.5 just because they care about the 10. The 10 10 is at a premium. Um, the 9.5 has always been a little bit discounted. I, it's always going to be that way. There's there's no way like a BGS 9.5 is ever going to surpass a PSA 10. Um, but it seems like uh, the Beckett prices have been kind of slipping the last maybe six months to a year or so. I know there have there has been a controversy with. Um, I think we've you Nate, you and I have mentioned this on a YouTube live in the past where. Um, there, there have been a couple of, uh, fake BGS labs that were reproduced by scammers, um, where they would take, like, I, I know one of them was involving, uh, 2019 prism based Zion BGS nine five. So they basically just took this card, create re- reproduced, um, a, a Beckett's lab that had a, a, the label looked very similar to an, an actual Beckett label. They just put the title of the card, the number, the subgrades, Zion 9.5, and basically glued the slab shut with the card in it and then shipped it out to somebody or listed it on eBay. And then the buyer found out that the slab was fake. And before I even go into this, the the way you can find out if 
um, a BGS slab is fake is um, unless if it's an autograph or like a, a jersey card or an RPA, um, if it's just like a regular base card on the bottom of the card on the, on the I'm sorry on the bottom of the slab, you can actually see Beckett's patent number. So it should say something like PAT.6 and then whatever the rest of the number is. As long as after it says PAT on the bottom, if there is a period after PAT, that's a legitimate slab. So that's always double check that. I mean, the percentage of fake Beckett slabs out there are like 0.00001% or something. So it's like th there can't be more than like, you know, a handful or a couple handfuls out of the Mil out of the millions that are out there. Um, but it's just better to just protect yourself and, and just make sure that when you get a card in hand that it has something like that. Um, if the card has an autograph or a jersey patch, there there might not be a, a patent number on the bottom at all. That doesn't mean that that it's fake. It's just the way that the B it's, it's just the way that BGS um, formulates their slabs uh, for generally like thicker cards like that. Like a jersey card is going to be thicker than a normal base card, or a, or an auto might be thicker than a normal base card. So. When this controversy happened with BGS, um, someone reached out to them on their Twitter page and one of their executives or customer service reps or somebody reached back out and basically they didn't have the best response to them. They were like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's a shame that this isn't really ever going to go away. Like people are going to find new ways to, to scam no matter how scam proof we try to make our labels. But, you know, it's, it's kind of on the responsibility of the buyer to, you know, but like buy responsibly and, and understand what you're buying. And at the time, I, I wasn't too happy with their response either. A lot of people weren't. Um, and that caused a lot of collectors and even investors to kind of boycott BGS altogether. And I still, I even when this happened, I was still like, I was still buying BGS slabs. Nate, I was looking this past weekend at a majority of my like you know, main part of my collection of cards that I don't really want to part with for at least a good couple of years. And almost all of them are BGS slabs. So I've still been buying them with confidence and I've, you know, knock on wood, I have never run into a fake BGS slab on my end. Um, but I think this controversy is kind of, um, it, it's kind of turned people, you know, like a little sour on BGS and, um, People have just been kind of flocking, but it's been honestly helping PSA um, or people go more to in PSA's direction. So um, I, I think that that has something to do with it as well. But honestly, the, the prices are just they're just going way too cheap right now with with in terms of BGS 9.5s and even some BGS 10s. So a BGS 10, especially BGS 10 black label, that is like the card of the hobby. That's the grade of the hobby. That's a BGS 10 black label of any card destroys a PSA 10. Like that card can go for multiples more expensive than, than a, a PSA 10 just because of how rare and how, and like BGS doesn't give out black labels very often. So that's like the, that's like, that card is like the definition of pristine. So every single subgrade on that card is a 10. Um, even a BGS 10, which uh, has a subgrade of uh, three subgrades of a 10 and one subgrade of a 9.5, even that is that that should be held at more of a premium even than PSA 10s. But even some people that have messaged me on Twitter or on, on Twitter or or tagged me on Twitter, they've they've reached out to me and said like, dude, I'm I just got this BGS 10 card for 
like two thirds the price of a PSA 10. What exactly, like what the hell is going on? Usually BGS 10s are always worth more than PSA 10s because BGS doesn't hand out that many 10s. They, they hand out more, several more 9.5s than they do 10s. And it's affecting BGS 10 prices. It's affecting BGS 9.5 prices. So typically from, from what I've been seeing since I've been back in the hobby, the price ratio between a PSA 10 and a BGS 9.5 should be somewhere between 1.75 to 2.25 to 1. So so basically that means a PSA 10 should be somewhere in between 1.75 to 2.25 times more expensive than a BGS 9.5. And anything can really affect that. Um, like a BGS 9.5 can kind of fall anywhere in between that ratio. If it's like, Nate, you and I have talked about... Um, like BGS 9.5 subgrades, and if it's like a min gem, a true gem, a gem plus. So if it's a min gem, it'll probably fall on the lower end. So PSA 10 might be worth like a little over two times that. If it's a gem plus, it might only be worth 1.75, even sometimes 1.5 times that card. Just because if you if you try to cross over a BGS 9.5, that's a gem plus, you can there's a pretty decent chance it can cross over to a PSA 10. So that card is kind of closer to a PSA 10 than anything else. Um, but honestly, regardless of whether or not, of whether you're a collector or an investor, a BGS 9.5 right now, like we are talking about like a crazy price discrepancy between them and PSA 10s. You can get like the card of your dreams in a BGS 9.5 for significantly cheaper than a PSA 10 version of that card. So I think BGS 9.5s, honestly, they're the perfect arbitrage for me personally as a collector and an investor just because of how much cheaper I can get these cards in hand for. And I actually have a story myself. So um, about a recent BGS 9.5 purchase. Um, ever since uh, February 7th or 6th, whatever, the day before the Super Bowl, um, the 2021 Hall of Fame class was announced. And Calvin Johnson was the second or third member announced in the class. And his cards have been going up like crazy. And um, I've been wanting to get a hold of his contenders auto um, in really any grade, like either BGS 9.5 or a PSA 10. I would have been totally fine with either. And I saw PSA 10s. They went up from like, I don't know what they were going before, around $500, $600 to right now they're on their way to, to $2,000. So by accident, I found a BGS 9.5 listed around a week ago, and it was um, there, there was a BGS 9.5 auction ending that night and a PSA 10 auction ending that night. I was the only bidder on this BGS 9.5 Calvin Johnson Contenders Auto. Meanwhile, people were just outbidding themselves on the PSA 10. So I ended up getting the BGS 9.5 for $400. Meanwhile, the PSA 10 went for almost $1,800. So that's over four times more expensive than the copy that I got. And what did I tell you guys the price ratio was before? 1.75 to 2.2. So basically around two to one. Like it's around a two to one ratio. The PSA 10 should be around two times more expensive than the BGS 9.5. I got the 9.5 for more than four times cheaper than a PSA 10. And just before I, I, I kind of put a bow on this on this topic, I, I do have a free play for you guys. Um, it's something that um, I've been noticing because, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I have been trying to upgrade some of my Calvin Johnson collection and I've been 
Um, I have a couple of Topps Chrome base PSA 10s and BGS 95s in hand. And what, what was interesting is that the PSA 10 version of that card, it's it's multiplied. It's gone up. Uh, let me see. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, it has gone up about three, at least three to four times since his Hall of Fame announcement. Yeah. So the last, the most recent sale has been around $800 for Calvin Johnson's 2007 Topps Chrome Base PSA 10. So it's gone up from like the $300 range, like $250, $300 range to $800. Even one transaction hit $1,000. Meanwhile, the BGS 9.5 has been staying at or below $250. It hasn't moved at all. If anything, since his Hall of Fame, since his Hall of Fame announcement, it's gone down. As of the most recent sales of the PSA 10 and BGS 9.5 of the Topps Chrome Base um, for Calvin Johnson, the PSA 10 is four times more expensive than the BGS 9.5. If you guys are able to find a 2007 Topps Chrome based BGS 9.5 of Megatrons on eBay, I would probably be looking at that as a premium buy right now. It's amazing that BGS is being considered like a second class citizen for whatever reason at their highest level. But if we continue to buy into it, like you said, you know, believers that Beckett is, is a quality grader. It's just a perception discrepancy because if you took these two cards out of the cases and we gave them both back to PSA and we said, tell us which one was yours, they would probably struggle to identify the difference between the one they gave a 10 and the BGS 9.5. I mean, that's how close these things are in reality. So if the tides turn, and we continue to see Luca Logo Man's getting stuffed into BGS slabs and the next big one getting slabbed by BGS. That's really all it could possibly take to kind of change the landscape of things. And when suddenly you see a lot of very high-end cards going to a grader, that adds a ton of credibility to them. And maybe that's where it's headed. And Jesse, you're right. You're looking at these things and you're seeing an incredible price discrepancy. And SGC, to me, from what I know, is a distant third. So really, it's a two-horse race. And the only thing that's keeping PSA at the top seems to be you know, perception from the outside. But it feels like that could change very easily with you know a, a, a solid year of just this hobby burning the way it is and people deciding to slab cards. And rather than slabbing them with PSA, they slab them with B BGS. And suddenly, that perception begins to shift and that discount that you were once getting now becomes profit for all the people that bought in early, like you're talking about doing with a guy like Calvin Johnson. You know, what's what's crazy, too, is that um, before I mention like anything else about about Megatron is BGS used to be the premium company. They they used to be PSA before PSA was PSA. So um, people would look to submit to them more. And, and they a, a lot of people, even to this day, they're they're still big followers and believers in Dr. James Beckett, who is the, the founder of and CEO of the company. Um, unfortunately, he's he's sold it. And maybe that that seller sold it a couple of years after they bought it from from James Beckett. Um, they were like they were the, the premium of the grading part of the hobby. Like there is a reason why people had Beckett magazines and not another grading company's magazine to look at the value of the card before we had eBay as, as our like, you know, main comp tool or price history tool. So, 
you never know like the 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 tides can can turn and bgs might might be you know the the godfather grading company it it was at one point in time um but i mean you never know so uh and and just to to end that that calvin johnson thought i think i think any of calvin johnson's rookie cards i think they're great long-term holds and plays um but if like my favorite buys if i'm looking at this from like an investor's perspective my favorite buy is if i know if regardless of how long i hold the card it's just going to go up over time it'll only go up but if there's money to be made already today like if there's a if you find a price discrepancy today where like this card shouldn't be worth 250 dollars. this card should be worth closer to like 450 dollars or $500. Like that's my favorite type of card to buy. That's why I'm emphasizing the BGS 9.5 so much over the PSA 10 as a buy. So the Calvin Johnson that got purchased on the same night as you, that people were uh, climbing over themselves to outbid one another for a car that again, probably looks identical to yours. It just doesn't say PSA at the top of it may have not been a great buy Jesse, but I found a worse buy. Well, you found a worse buy as well. And we're going to call this the bad buy of the week. It could be the bad buy of the century. I'm not even sure. Um, what was the one that you found? And describe to people what this is, and then we'll go into the one that I have found. So I found... Um, <laughs> I don't know what the hell Tufts was thinking. I don't even know. Like I have no idea if this is a redemption card or if they actually inserted these cards randomly in like random baseball packs or, or or boxes but it's a 2019 tops allen and ginter card um it's of an egg i'm sure many what? of our it's an it there's an the card is of an egg the card is of an egg like, like egg egg like eg yeah like the, a twitter profile with no picture exactly okay <laughs> so um I don't know why Tops Allen Tops did this or why they put it in in Allen and Ginter. Um I don't really know a reason why you would ever buy a card like that raw or slabbed. So the my bad buy of the week before you showed me yours would have been the 2019 Tops Allen and Ginter egg PSA 10 that was bought for $256.50. I don't know why someone would would pay American dollars for that. Um, I don't like honestly. I don't know what the hell Tops was thinking, like creating something like this. Like I don't know if it's like I'm sure there are going to be there are going to be NFTs. I'm I'm not mentioning Top Shot, but there are going to be NFTs that are just going to be like they're not going to be worth anything years from now or even months from now, and people are spending stupid amounts of money on it, on those types of NF NFTs right now. This is that NFT in card version in my eyes. I mean, it's a, it's a fucking egg. It's an <laughs> egg. It's a picture of an egg. I don't even understand what the relevance is to being shoved into a pack. What packs do these come out of? I guess it, it had to have been Topps Allen and Ginter, but like, can you imagine getting a redemption card in an Allen and Ginter box and you're like, and, and it just says, oh, egg. It just says egg, E-G-G. -G. That's all it says. What? 
Wait a minute. <laughs> what do you mean it's in an Allen and Ginter box? What the fuck else is in these boxes? I have. I, I would I would think baseball cards, but I don't know if there Why are is any, any other baseball cards. <laughs> What's the okay? I, I, I I've watched the, a lot I of baseball. <laughs> I've watched a lot of baseball. Okay, I've watched a lot of basketball. I've watched a lot of football. Played baseball. Don't specifically remember any point in time when an egg, other than for breakfast, was any part of the game, like at any level. What? Why? Is it a uh, dude? I, I don't even like I know we don't have this listed on the show sheet. And we haven't talked about this yet, but Alan and Ginsburg have been producing some weird ass cards lately. They actually have they have a card of a Bitcoin, like of an actual Bitcoin. Oh, I forget if it's I called know. Bitcoin or, or it's or it's called a crypto or something. But they've they've just been producing some really weird, really weird cards. And I think they're like. There's like tens of thousands of these things. Like it's not even. (sighs) (sighs) What a waste of fucking disposable income, but it gets worse because the one that I found after I tried to relocate the one that you found sold for 10 times the number that yours did. Jesse, (laughs) (laughs) let me read you the title of this thing because clearly it, uh, Clearly, it resonated with somebody. It says 2019 tops Allen and Ginter, uh, number 213, egg short print. Okay. PSA 10, gem mint, low pop, only to exist. Okay. Now, I thought I was, I was shocked when I saw that this card sold for $2,500. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to excuse it. Because it was a best offer, right? It had to be a best offer. Somebody just had a bunch of money. Maybe it was Ricky Williams. He was high. He didn't want to go turn in those autographs that he had been, you know, meaning to turn in for five years. And he bought this fucking egg. But no, it went to bid. There was a bidding war. Jesse, there was 57 bids on this thing. What is the allure of the egg? Was it was it a gold? Uh, copy. I can't remember. Yeah, it's, a, it go- like it's in- a gold copy. Oh Jesus Christ! It's a um, gold. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It's a gold. Um, <laughs> I love gold too. But <laughs> I just, I, I don't even know. I, I don't know if it's like a, if it's like a statement from Tops in general, just to like that, like they sell this because they can, which is almost kind of like, if that's their statement, that's almost kind of insulting to like the collector. Um, and just, I don't know, but like I, within the last couple of weeks, I've gone to two card shows and at both of those cards, well, I've, no, I've gone to three card shows, um, with in, in between two different days. And at each card show, I saw at least one egg, at least one Allen, Allen Ginter egg. I don't know what the hell the deal is of, with this card. Um, they skyrocketed for a good like week or two. So there actually was money to be made on these cards. Um, but they have, uh, unsurprisingly plummeted back down recently. So I, I'm going to be so mad if I find an on card auto egg, I'm going to be furious because I want to know who's, how does it sign it? What is going on (laughs) with these? Okay. Anyways, Jesse, yeah. Alan and Ginter has made, I mean, they've made cards of like satellites in outer space and stars and Gary V and, uh, you know, th- there's a Larry King 
card out there. So I don't know if these are like some random pack you open up and it's like, you know, you pull out a, a Steven Tyler from Aerosmith comes out and you're like, oh yeah, cool. Like, I don't know what these are. I don't understand it. If anybody who's a listener of the show has an egg, has an egg collection, if you're the guy that bought this egg, come forward and please help us understand what the allure of the Allen and Ginter egg is. Because um, I just don't know, Jesse. I don't get it. Like, I, you, you're a, a discerning buyer. You're talking about, uh, about arbitrage purchases with Calvin Johnson, who's a Hall of Fame receiver. And then we have 57 people that are bidding on a card with a picture of a floating egg in the center of Wrigley Field. And once it crested the $2,000 mark, these seven guys, seven of the 57 bids, these seven people kept going back and forth. So they drove it all the way up to $2,500. Jesse, the hobby has never been more alive.